Grace, mercy, and peace be to you from God our Father and from our Lord and our Savior, Jesus Christ. Our text today is going to be taken from the reading in the book of Deuteronomy. You may be seated. We begin with the word of prayer. Most merciful God, we give you thanks for gathering us here to hear your word and worship today, Lord, and to receive your gifts. We pray, Lord, that as we hear this word, you would guide us to follow it according to your will. Help us to stand firm against the attacks of anything in this world that would take us away from you. Teach us to hear your Son faithfully. Now, Lord, let the words of my mouth and the meditation of our hearts be pleasing in your sight. O Lord, our rock and our redeemer. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. I saw a video this past week, and I don't know how old this is. Maybe you've seen this already, but they were featuring on this news story a new invention that has come out that helps blind people learn how to see. This thing was really pretty remarkable. It, it was a camera that they would kind of put on the head of a blind person, and it had this sort of sensory mechanism that would go from the camera to their tongue. And now, the camera would do what it normally does. It would see things, and it, it would record things, but then it would send messages through this sensory thing uh, to the tongue thing. I, I got the technical language down really well here. Uh, the sensory thing to the tongue thing, and the tongue would then send sense, or the the mechanism would send sensations through the tongue to the brain and the brain would then to rec would begin to recognize shapes and objects it was remarkable and they were showing <clears throat> excuse me these blind people walking around and avoiding obstacles and and avoiding walls and they were beginning to see things in front of them it, it was it was amazing the computer screen was showing that that currently the way the technology works they can't see things totally clearly they're still a little bit fuzzy uh, but what's coming along, they're hoping, uh, as the technology advances, is that these people will be able to see very clearly uh, very soon. I mean, that's amazing stuff. I love the way the, 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 uh, the story on the news described it. It said this, uh, that the machine was guiding these people and it was setting them free. These blind people were being set free. I love this story for a number of reasons. One, I tend to be a guy who is terrified of uh, technological advances. Excuse me. <coughs> Excuse me. Got a frog in my throat. I don't like technological advances. I'm a Luddite. I, I fear change. Uh, but this one is cool. Like this one, this is a pretty remarkable thing. I'm all in favor of this kind of stuff. Uh, also, it's a beautiful thing because for us today, it's a good picture of what the life of discipleship is kind of like. This is what Jesus Christ has done for us. He's given us, we might say, eyes to see. He's brought us out of darkness and into the light. Uh, the scriptures will describe our situation this way. They will say that apart from Christ, we live in the darkness. We live in blindness. But Christ has been sent by the Father as sort of light into this world. Paul describes the work of God this way in the book of Colossians that we have been rescued from the dominion of darkness, a world of blindness, and transferred into the kingdom of the Son He loves, in whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins. We've been taken out of darkness and into the kingdom, Paul says, of Christ's marvelous light. And this is good news, because living in the light sets us free. We can now see things the way God intended for us to see them. We're no longer blinded by sin. We're no longer defined by sin. As Christians, our sins are those things which are forgiven. They don't define us any longer. We live in the kingdom of Christ, no longer under the tyranny of Satan. 
You are a citizen in the kingdom of God. You have been baptized into this kingdom and made a citizen of the, in the free country of God's kingdom. Life in this free country is what we call discipleship, living in the freedom of Christ. And for the next number of weeks uh, throughout this month of September, we're going to talk about what it means to live in this freedom, what it means to have this light, what it means to be a disciple. Uh, we've talked about this before, but uh, beginning next week, we're really going to start pushing what discipleship looks like here at Community Lutheran Church, what it means to be one who has been set free, and what that freedom looks like in our congregation. We're going to talk about how as disciples we're people who hear God's word in worship, we learn God's word in Bible study, and we care for everyone God gives us. I don't know if you saw it outside, but we got some pretty cool banners showing this stuff. It looks, it looks really cool right now, and Jim has done a nice job of, of getting that information out there. We're going to talk about what it means to hear and learn and care as disciples. And to guide us through this discipleship process, we're going to be looking a lot at the book of Deuteronomy of all things. And Deuteronomy is actually quite a helpful book for us in this. Because there are a number of parallels between ourselves as disciples and the Israelites, that is the people of God, in the book of Deuteronomy. Think about it. In Deuteronomy, God is writing to a people, God is speaking, we could say, uh, to a people who has been set free from tyranny themselves. They have been rescued from Pharaoh and the slavery that they had to endure in Egypt. And now when we come to the book of Deuteronomy, the Israelites have been punished for their sins for 40 years in the wilderness, but now that punishment has come to an end and they are entering into the promised land. What Deuteronomy does is shows them how God has shaped life for them in the promised land. Well, this is similar to our situation. We, have been, we haven't been rescued from the tyranny of Pharaoh, but actually something greater. We've been rescued from the tyranny of sin, death, and the devil in our lives. And not only uh, have we been set free from that, but now we're entering the promised land. We, in fact, are in the promised land. We live in Christ's kingdom now because all of our sins have been dealt with. The good news for us is we don't have to go through 40 years of wilderness punishment for our sins because all the punishment for our sins fell on Jesus Christ. You and I are forgiven and we are free from Satan and his tyranny to live in this kingdom of God. And so how does that look? What is that, what is that life like? That's what we're going to talk about over the next number of weeks. To live in this kingdom, to be citizens of this kingdom is good news. It was good news for the Israelites that they were entering into this promised land free from the tyranny of Pharaoh. But here's the thing. When they moved into this promised land, it's not as though all of their problems went away. It wasn't all rainbows and puppy dogs or whatever you would have in a perfect, wonderful kingdom. There was difficulties there. They were still beset by enemies all around them. They had enemies outside of themselves, and they had enemies within. They were prone to wander and to forget the merciful work of God in their lives. They were tempted by the worldly goods around them. They were tempted by the gods of the other nations. And there are any number of things in this promised land that tempted them away from God's will for their lives. And they were prone to follow those things. Well, God knew this. He knew this about his people. So instead of abandoning them, instead of putting them in the promised land and saying, okay, guys, enjoy the promised land. I'm going on vacation to Hawaii for a little bit. God promises to be present with them. And he's present with them through his word. He gives them a word. He gives them scriptures that, is going, that are going to inform the way they live their lives in that promised land. 
those scriptures were given to Moses, and Moses was their preacher. And here's what Moses says to the Israelites before they enter the promised land. He says this, See, I have taught you the statutes and the rules as the Lord my God commanded me, that you should do them in the land that you are entering, to take possession of. Keep them and do them, for that will be your wisdom and your understanding in the sight of the people. His word for them was wisdom. His word gave them understanding. His word showed them how they were to view the promised land and how they were to view the world around them. He was teaching them, in other words, to see according to his will. His word, as Psalm 119 says, was a lamp to their feet and a light to their path. It showed them his promises. It showed them all of the saving work he had done for them. It gave them the most important promise there is, that a Messiah would soon come and set them free from all of the sins and the evils in the world. It gave them great hope. But it also informed them. It gave them the law. It showed them how they were to live. It informed their worship. It informed their faith. It informed their way of life, how they were to operate in the midst of all of these enemies and all these attacks around them. In this way, it was a weapon. It protected them. It showed them what to do and what not to do, what to trust and what not to trust, what was good and what was evil. It taught them how to live. Well, so it is for us. This is what God has done for us. He has given us this promised land. We live in the reign of Christ by virtue of our baptisms, and now he has given us a word, and the word does the same thing. It delivers Jesus to us, the one that was promised in the Old Testament, has come to us in the New Testament. And the scriptures show us everything God has done for us in Christ, that he has forgiven our sins, that he's raised us to a new life, and he promises us eternity with him. It also shapes our life. It informs our worship. It tells us what we are to hear, what we are to study, what we are to do. And we need this word. We need God to be present with us in this word. Because much like the Israelites, we too are prone to wander. We're prone to, to follow the temptations of this world. We're prone to listen to things that are not uh, good for us. And so we need this word in our lives to protect us from these enemies, both the enemy within and the enemy outside of ourselves. Now, it's interesting to talk about an enemy within because typically we think of enemies as those people outside of us, those entities outside of us that seek to harm us or destroy us. And it's not wrong for us to think that way because most certainly we do have those enemies as the people of God. Satan is a defeated foe. Christ conquered him on the cross and yet he's still fighting. He's still attacking. He's not going away. He's still quite bothersome. And so the devil attacks and he employs the world to come after us. And the, world, the, the devil's goal is to undo everything Christ has done for us. He's come to remove our faith. He's come to offer us very attractive idols. He's come to, to get us to question God's truth and to embrace sin and to trust anything that is not Christ. He'll come along and he'll offer us worldly power and worldly riches if we would just follow him. And we so easily forget that what the devil is offering us is fool's gold and it leads to death, not to lie. But here's the problem. We hear this and we go, okay, well, there's enemies outside of us, but God protects us from that. So why do we need to worry about these enemies? Because the enemies are not only outside of us, but they're also within us. See, the devil knows how to get to you. He knows how to attack you because he knows the language of your heart. He knows your native tongue. Our native tongue, our what we'll call our heart language, 
is the language of sin. Now that sounds a little bit harsh, but think about it first. We are born sinful and unclean. We are born into that dominion of darkness. So we're born into a world where we learn to speak the language of sin. Our hearts, by nature, are sinful. Listen to what Jesus says about this. Lest we think that's too harsh. Listen to what Jesus says about this. It's not what goes into a person that defiles them, but what comes out of it. For from within, out of the heart of man, comes evil thoughts, sexual immorality, theft, murder, adultery, coveting, wickedness, deceit, sensuality, envy, slander, pride, foolishness. Like, there's not, like a, there's not a lot of positive right there, Jesus. All these evil things come from within, and they defile a person. That's our native heart language. Have you heard that term before, heart language? Have you ever heard that before? Uh, my kids right now are in the bilingual program in their elementary schools up in Valley Center. And that means they're learning Spanish. And, and the way they do this is that they have some weeks of school that are in English and some weeks that are in Spanish, and it's called an immersion program. They have to be immersed in Spanish so that they can learn that language because Spanish is not their heart language. English is. That's what they're born into. It's what they know. And so if they're going to speak Spanish, they have to be immersed in the other language. They have to learn the rules of the other language. They have to interact with that other language. But it's hard for them. It's so much easier to simply default to English. Well, this is kind of how it is for us as sinners. We've been brought into a new kingdom, into the kingdom of Christ, where we have to learn the language of freedom, where we have to learn the language of, of being disciples. But that's kind of hard for us because we default to sin so easily. And so the devil comes along and speaks that sinful language. He tempts us with things that he knows will attract us. And so what we have to do is we've got to stand up against that. We've got to fight against that, and that can be hard at times, but we have to stand firm because otherwise uh, we are prone to wander. So we have to fight. Paul says it this way in the book of Ephesians today. Look, we don't wrestle against flesh and blood, but against the rulers and against the authorities, against the cosmic powers over this present darkness, against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly places. Big cosmic way of saying, look, the devil is coming for you. He's trying to draw you back into the darkness. And so you have to stand firm against that. But take heart. Because remember, just like the Israelites, God has not abandoned you in this new kingdom. He has not left you to fight on your own, but he has conquered Satan for you. And he has clothed you in the armor you need to stand firm. Listen to what Paul writes. Take up the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand in the evil day. And having done all to stand firm, stand therefore, having fastened on the belt of truth and having put on the breastplate of righteousness and his shoes for your feet, having put on the readiness given by the gospel of peace. In other words, receive all that Christ has done for you. Clothe yourself in the work of Christ, his righteousness, his peace, and you will stand firm. He goes on, in all circumstances, take up the shield of faith with which you can extinguish the flaming darts of the evil one. Take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God, praying at all times in the spirit and with all prayer and supplication. Now, there's a lot here. We're not going to dive too far into Ephesians 6 today, but when you think of, for example, the helmet of salvation, it's probably worth remembering that on that slide Jim showed, the Broncos player, he had a white horse on his helmet, and Jesus rides a white horse. It's just something to think about for the future. Uh, anyhow, um, we're not going to get all too much into that today, but it is worth noting 
uh, this comment about the sword of the Spirit, that is the Word of God. Jesus has equipped us with a weapon to help us fight when the attacks of the devil come our way and the thoughts from within begin to draw us away from Christ. Here's what the Word of God does. When our sinful hearts are prone to wander, the Word of God comes along and it, it cuts at that right off. It attacks it and says, that is sin, that is wrong. You've got to crucify that stuff. You've got to give that stuff over to Christ so he can take it to the cross. That stuff is evil and sinful. Give it to Jesus. And then the word of God delivers to us that Jesus. It's a lamp to our feet and a light to our path which takes us away from our sin and drives us to Christ. And it gives us Jesus who, who forgives our sins, who takes our sins, who is obedient where we are disobedient, who carries our disobedience to the cross and dies for us. And then declares us to be righteous for his sake. Washes us clean in his blood. And proclaims us to be the children of God. It's Jesus who is given to us in this word. Who forgives and sustains us. So that when we hear things in this world coming along to draw us away from Christ. We cling to that word. And that word gives us Jesus and it drives those things away. When the devil comes along and tempts us or accuses us or tries to draw us back into the darkness, we simply show him what the word has given us. We show him our forgiveness. We show him our, our, citizen, our baptismal citizenship card and say, I am under the mercy of a gracious king, Satan, whose word of forgiveness silences you completely. It's a word that delivers to us the love of Christ and then shows us how to live in our freedom to care for those around us as opposed to use those around us. It teaches us to care for everyone God has given us. It drives us away from sin and to Christ and to our neighbor. This is the life of freedom in Christ. This is the life of love that Christ has given to us. But it is a foreign language to us. It's a, it's a language that we have to be immersed in if we're going to learn to speak it. It's a language we have to be immersed in if we're going to be able to stand firm against the attacks of the devil. And so that's what discipleship is all about here at CLC. Being immersed in that word. Hearing that word in worship. And then learning it in some capacity throughout the week, whether you're going to a community group, which I hope you signed up for, or to a Bible study that we offer sometime throughout the week. Learning what it means to be a disciple of Jesus Christ. And as you do that, what you'll find is that you are driven into the lives of your neighbors. You are taught to care for everybody God gives you, both inside of the church and in your regular callings of everyday life. This is what the Word of God does to us. This is what the Word of God does for us. And this is why I hope you will join us over the next month as we learn about discipleship here at CLC, what it means to live in the freedom of Christ. Because whether you know it or not, you are the very person Christ has died for and brought into this kingdom. You are a citizen of this kingdom. You are a disciple of Jesus Christ. You are the one who has been given eyes to see. You are the one who has been rescued and redeemed. You do not dwell in darkness any longer. But through the shed blood of Jesus granted to you in your baptism, you have been made citizens of the kingdom of God, where you live under the reign of Jesus who died and rose for you and loves you with all of his mercy. Join us these next few weeks as we really dive in to learn what it means to be a citizen of the kingdom of God. Amen. Let's pray. Father, we give you thanks for your mercy. 
We thank you that you have called us out of darkness and into your marvelous light, that we dwell in the kingdom of your Son, Jesus Christ. May these promises grant us the strength to stand firm against the attacks of the evil one. Teach us to trust you and follow your word always. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Having heard the word of our Lord, I invite you to please rise as we continue by confessing our faith in the words of the Apostles. We confess together. 